Welcome to Read by Example, where teachers are leaders and leaders know literacy. And I'm joined here with Deborah and Vivian. Welcome. Hi there. Hi. And the theme for today is we're going to talk about learning, teaching, and leading with intention. So it's the start of the year. People are making resolutions. Um, something like 90% of them fail. Uh, but we always have good intentions. So we'll, we won't focus on resolutions, but just good intentions and how we can apply our thinking today and just what we're doing in our work um, going forward. So um, we'll start with just what's on your to read list. Uh, if you've got a book or two, that's just top of your list, top of the pile. You're, you're going to read it and share a little bit about it. Deborah, I always know you've got like. Yeah, I'm like scrolling through going, this. okay, what have I got on my list here? Um, um, so one of the books that I have on, because I'm I'm always really interested in like um like science and climate change and all of that sort of stuff. And a good friend of mine in Australia recommended a book called The Heat Will Kill You First, um, which the, the title scares me and fascinates me at the same time. Um, Jeff Goodell, G-O-O-D-E-L-L. Um, so she recommended that book. So I've been on the wait list for a while on that one. And I'm I'm within, um, you know, someday I'll get it soon. I'm hoping within the next couple of weeks because I'm on the list at the library. Um, so that book, because um, it's just, it's an interesting, it's a topic of interest for me. Um, and then another one that is also a topic of interest that also happens to be about education. Um, I recently um, um, saw Temple Grandin and I had read um, Visible Thinking was, is her last book. And then she's got a, a young adult version of that book now. Um, but she also has a book called Autism and Education, What Parents and Teachers Need to Know. And I, I am fascinated by her story um, I thought visible thinking was just brilliant and it, it, it just added another lens for looking at kids. And I'm really excited about looking at this one because um, I think I just, I'm interested in what she's um, going to say. And her talk was really good. So I got lots of ideas and things uh, from that. Um, so those are sort of two nonfiction. And then the fiction one that I am, I'm going to let some of my fluffy reading go because I'm a fluffy reader. I love a good murder mystery and all of that stuff. Um, but um, I have a friend of mine gave me a copy of Demon Copperhead um, and she's asked me a couple of times if I've read it yet. And I'm like, I, I'm waiting for the mental space, but I think I'm, I'm at that place now. I'm ready to, to maybe tackle that one next um, because I just, you know, gorgeous sentences, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Cool. My, my that's, wife that's read my reading. It's my next little bit of reading. My wife read Demon Copperhead and she almost didn't finish it. it was, it's pretty gritty, but uh, it's very well written. I just love Barbara Kingsolver. I mean, just, you know, does she do anything poorly? No. It's like, she was always my example when I would say, you know, people aren't just porn writers. I'm like, well, maybe Barbara Kingsolver was. She's always my example for that. That She must have come out of the womb being this writer, uh, is what I picture, because she's just so magnificent. Everything she's written, I just have loved. So looking forward to her. Oh, okay. Vivian, how about you? I'm currently reading Braiding Sweetgrass 
which I cannot right now remember who the author is. I did just start. Um, it just kept coming across all different networks. Um, and my father-in-law has now read it twice and uh, recommended it to me. So, What was it so called again? It's called Braiding Sleepgrass. Oh, yes. An indigenous author, and she, she weaves in stories and science. It's, it's beautifully written. Also, I have to second my love for Barbara Kingsolver, and I also love Tina Copperhead. So good. <laughs> and, um, I also just, um, for my professional read, I just downloaded um, Literacy for All by Shana Coppola. Uh, that's just, you know, near and dear to my heart. And I love Shauna's um, writing, so I'm excited to, to read that. Very nice. Um, I feel like I've heard of all these books, so that's that's great for me to hear them more than once recommended. Um, uh, my books are Saving Time by Jenny O'Dell. And I read her first book, How to Do Nothing. It was on Barack Obama's to-read list a couple of years ago, and um, very good. Um, this one is just about pulling apart the time-money uh, metaphors and how they are very closely intertwined and how time has been used to measure people's value in their work and just tries to tease it out and be help people be more mindful about like time management, productivity, and what does it really mean? And, you know, where do we find leisure time and um, just how time can, can be a double-edged sword. So I'm looking forward to that as someone who's always challenged by those topics myself. Um, the other fiction I'm reading is The Reformatory by Tanareev Dew. Um, I've not heard of her before, but she's apparently a very good author. She was on the cover. Her book was on the cover of the book page that we see at the public library. So um, if you've read Nickel Boys by Colson Whitehead, um, kind of yeah. in the same vein. Um, and I'm, I'm reading it slowly. And I don't think it'll be an easy read, probably similar to Demon Copperhead. This one takes place in Florida around some of the tragedy around um those reformatory schools um that um just very unfortunate so but i feel like it's important for me to read and expand my perspective so awesome we've got a great list i hope people find uh, at least one of those titles to add to their own list and we're going to transition to um just that podcast the conversation we had last week or last month excuse me uh with uh isabel stevenson and a topic came up where she's a consultant, works with different schools, and found uh, a way to approach lesson study around recipes. So she would have the teachers break down their lessons into a set of ingredients, a set of directions, teach it um, to make sure it works, I guess, and then hand it off to another, to a colleague in their school, and then they would try it. So it was almost kind of like this test kitchen kind of approach. And Deborah, you can correct me if I'm wrong, if I misheard something, but 
then they would try it, then they would tweak it, they would change it like a chef would, but then give feedback on the lesson itself versus, as I gathered, less critique on the teacher and more focus on the teaching, you know, the recipes. So that was a very intriguing idea. Um, and as I was, we were doing that Zoom, I could tell Deborah was, the wheels were spinning in Deborah's head. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I actually got some comments back from from other readers and listeners too about it. Just you know, positives and some more. I'm not so sure about this, so I thought it's, it was worth. You know, Deborah had said we, we should really discuss this some more, and I agreed. So I'm just going to open it up. Just uh, and Vivian, Vivian, if you weren't able to listen to it, um, I hope I was able to give at least a, a good a good uh, reader's digest version of what what the idea was. Um, but yeah, any thoughts on that? Um, Good, bad, or otherwise. I'm feeling guilty because I don't feel like I have a lot of prerequisite reading or, or listening. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and Vivian's um been a uh, is a coach or is a consultant right now and, and works with with um schools and and teachers and leaders. Um, so we've all, we're all in those similar kind of roles, I think, uh -huh. to what Isabel's doing. And I guess I can start just my initial response to it was pretty positive. I see the hardest, one of the hardest parts about being a coach or a leader or in any kind of position where you're trying to improve instruction school-wide is getting, you know, teachers to change their practice for the better. And it's, uh -huh. it's a very... Um, it's just a very delicate situation. Every 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 relationship's different. It's all dependent on trust, but you know it, it takes two to to tango, as they say. And sometimes trust isn't always established as well as you want. So, I thought from just a technical standpoint of focusing on the lesson and kind of doing something novel, put your lesson into a recipe. I could see it like being like a challenge in schools, where like we're going to take one lesson. And you reduce it down to a recipe and we're going to try it and just have something fun, something different, some, I guess, meaningful PD. So that was my initial response. Um, it was, it was interesting. It, um, the, like I kept going round and round cause I thought, okay, I do write lessons sometimes and share with people. Um, you know, doing that right now. Um, but then I started, I kind of started approaching it in a, like some thoughts that came through. And these are, were not in any particular order. But one of the things I was thinking about is that when I, when there's, when I write a lesson, it's a mix. Cause like recipes are procedure, right? They're procedural writing. So when I write a lesson, I feel like I'm more of explaining and giving some examples. So it's not a, procedure exactly even though it will be definitely you know in a in a sequence of some sort um so that was one thing that was rolling through my head was like i think it, i wonder if that's the same even genre in my head mm. and then the other thing i was thinking about was when like i do a lot of cooking so i think the, i was taking the met metaphor a, a little bit on the literal side probably, but i was thinking about that there are when you when you do tweak a recipe, there is a certain amount of background knowledge that you have to have in place in order to make the decisions on what you do. Because you can't just 
you know, just tweak and do it, do lots of things. So I, I, there's, there's that layer to me of if I've got a lesson that I hand off to someone, um, what's the support around it? Like, am I giving it, having an opportunity to talk someone through it? Like for, for example, today I spent, um, uh, we've launched a writing workshop um, unit and the teachers wanted to see me do the first one. So I actually ended up teaching the thing three times, but it was a little bit different in each classroom, um, even though it followed the same. So I can see how, yes, if you thought about that as a recipe, but at the same time, you could never plan some of those moments that were happening based on what kids were saying. And so that being responsive, that piece takes that belief system of a teacher, takes um, knowing how to respond to kids, knowing what to listen and look for. So I know Isabel did say that, you know, that is part of the planning. So I got a sense mm -hmm. from her that when she talked recipe, it was very much in the context of professional learning that we were all yes. talking about. Yes. yes. And that's a very important point to stress there that, yes, yeah, she was very clear. This is not a script. This is a this mm -hmm. is more of, a, of, a, of an approach to professional learning. But I, when you said, Deborah, I think this was important, you know, teaching takes a lot of knowledge and, you know, to rely on when something happens in your instruction. And I was just, my wife was just, just made me think of my wife said something. She, she's cooked for, for years, decades. And she just said to something like, it's interesting how people, you know, can only rely on a recipe. Like if, if they can only cook, if, if they have that recipe. And I said, well, how long, how long have you been cooking? She's like, well, 20 years. And we kind of just to the point was, you know, when you cook, cook, cook for 20 years, do those kinds of activities, you just develop a, a with itness almost that, Oh, I know I can substitute this for that. I know I can um, just be much more responsive, which just comes through time, reflection, and mm -hmm. continuous professional learning. So it was a good point. And, and it's interesting. The um, you know most cookbooks are such procedures, but there is a book called um, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, and there I think there's a Netflix special on too. But the book itself, and my brain is going dead on, on the woman's name. Um, but that book is an explanation of cooking. And it's one of the most amazing books. She just, she's phenomenal at communicating. Um, but she explains to you what each of those four factors do to food. And so if you thought of it in terms of education or in a classroom, like, well, what's the role of talk? Mm. Like, what would that, how is that playing a, a role in, in the work? Um, What's the role of the demonstration, um, the role of the feedback that you give, the role? Of, I mean, you could think of like these big factors that are affecting every lesson. So regardless of what the lesson is about, you've got all of this. So it's just it's an interesting thing to to ponder that that metaphor, because I think it's a in some ways a very um, uh, usable metaphor. And in other ways, it's like. Yeah. Because, you know, as Brian Cameron always keeps saying to me, he's like, when well, you know, your metaphor brings a whole lot of meanings that you may or may not be intending um, yeah. within that. So, so yeah. it's just an interesting concept.
I was just writing down like talk demonstration feedback. I was waiting for the fourth and that can be like the title mm -hmm. of your next book, Demra. <laughs> <laughs> Match just helped me launch my, my uh, uh, newsletter. So look at it. Oh yeah. yeah. That's exciting. What's All the name right. of your It's made for learning, right? Made Is for learning. Yeah. yeah. So check that out. If you're listening, made for learning.substack.com, right? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Awesome. Vivian, any thoughts here? I'm just um, yeah, um, I, again, I, I hope I'm not speaking. I mean, I, I have questions because obviously I, didn't, I don't have all the background, but I was thinking about the idea of like the recipes being passed on and how in lesson study, even though you plan the lesson together, the lesson is almost like the least important thing because ultimately it's, the learning about, like the moves actually that you were talking about, Deborah, like the role of mm -hmm. feedback, it's not so much the actual lesson, it's like what do we learn about the practices in our kids through the, the lesson study, right? And I don't know how much this, like Isabel both talks about or follows like a lesson study model exactly, but I am curious about that. If you pass on the recipe without that in-between talk, what happened yeah um that's a good point vivian like you know if you were to do this would you have the teachers like work together first like here's my thought process as we develop these rests you know reduce these lessons into recipes i think that might be almost an essential part of that was to really mm -hmm. peek inside their minds you know that you know which i know is as, as Deborah's saying, you know, your belief systems, what, what's going into your, what you're putting down in your preparations. So yeah, that's a good point. So could you I mean, see yours? Oh, go ahead, Vivian. Oh, no, I was just thinking about past times where I've um, participated in lesson study, either as a teacher or a coach, and just how, when we decide to say, tweak the lesson or tweak the recipe, oh. everybody has had eyes on it. So it's not, I'm not doing it in a silo. Like I just did it and I'm going to tell you how it works and how I tweaked it. Like other people there have to observe mm -hmm. the feedback that you get from the kids. Like the data, one of the things I was talking about is how much I love, like the Japanese lesson study, um, way, way back in the day, um, there used to be videos uh, on the Japanese lesson study and the teachers were looking for like the twinkle in kids' eyes. I can't love that anymore. But, like, I need somebody to be there to look for the kids' twinkles in their eyes to see, well, what was it, and how do we keep replicating that? Not necessarily the lesson, but the move that, you know. Anyway, I just keep thinking about all of that. How can we do this more together? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's enough. It makes a lot of sense. You need that book. You, you, the We Need Your Time book there, Matt. Because that's always the tricky part. How do you get time for right. getting people together and um, having these conversations? Yeah, uh, that's that's a that's a whole other episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I love that twinkling kids' eyes part. I yeah, love that. and um, that's so true. But even just with coaching too, just the 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 light bulb moment when you're working with a client, a similar thing like it's important for me to step back and then reflect like, okay, what, what did I do to, or what did I not do? You know, what did I stop doing? I, 
I was coaching someone recently, a colleague, and I could tell they were arriving at an insight just through conversation. And I just had to force myself to stop talking and allow them to just work through it. So it was a good, it was a very long pause, 10 seconds. And they finally just said, you know, now here's where I'm at. So, so sometimes those moves are the move to not teach. Um, well, this has been a good conversation. Um, what would you, I don't want to cut ourselves short. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to just to add to that as a follow-up to, to this topic of lesson recipes and um, supporting professional learning? I like short and sweet. <laughs> um, what's one thing you'll take away from today that you'd like to use tomorrow? And, and I can go first. I, I, for both of you, Vivian and Deborah, the the togetherness. I think that you both talk about, you know, getting inside each other's heads and, and doing this work together at every stage. Um, you know, as I look at different PD models. My first question is always, when do we see teaching happening or occurring that other teachers can see, whether that's video or that that's live? I just think any professional development that doesn't have a focus on practice together is just, you know, is always going to fall short. So I really appreciate both of you pointing that out, the that shared experience for teachers and in their learning. I think the thing that the thing that I wrote down that um, Vivian said there about how um, the lesson being the least important part that it's the moves that matter. So I think I know I've got some planning with uh, time with my team tomorrow, and that's going to be the conversation because we've tried out things these last uh, today and tomorrow before we meet. So like, how did it go? What were the moves that um, that you were making when you were trying the lesson out? Um, are really the workshop, the whole thing. Um, so that's going to be, I think, the thing that I'm going to be listening for, are the ways that they made it their own, um, as opposed to trying to follow everything that um, that I did or just replicating. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's actually thinking about transferring the same ideas that I would do if I was facilitating like a lesson study type model to when I'm doing a demonstration. Like what are the kinds of questions or how am I framing um, like the observation that actually might be more meaningful even when I'm doing the demonstration? Yeah. Well, I appreciate everyone here being here and um, thank you for an enlightening conversation. Good luck with your to read pile. Um, ours have just grown uh, with all these great recommendations mm -hmm. and stay warm and have a great 2024. Thanks. Matt. Thank you.